Welcome to Trade Wins. I am your host, Tara Solberg, the founder of Few and Far and Indigo Love, two halves of one thriving business. I am a South Coast girl from a small town, and when I launched my business over 10 years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. What I did have was passion, drive, and a commitment to learn as much as possible on my way. I will take you through each chapter of my unique business story. You will get real insight into the lows and highs, the trials and triumphs, and the many, many lessons learned. In fact, I will share all of the things I wish I knew when I was starting out all those years ago. So consider this your personal invitation to take the first step on the journey of a lifetime towards owning your own business. Hiring your very first employee can be a very daunting and nerve-wracking experience. I know it was difficult for both Danny and I when we had to make this decision, which is why our family was so involved in our business. We knew that we could trust them and that they had our best interests at heart. We could rely on them and knew that they wouldn't let us down. Because that's the biggest thing, placing your trust in someone to work on something that you've built, that you've created. You've risked everything to get here and to make this business work. So trusting somebody to come in and basically represent you and your business is a big decision. And the thing is, not all of us have family around just to support us or who are available to help. And so if you can find the right employee, then this person is also going to offer their experience, knowledge and support to help you further grow your business. And this is definitely possible. Danny and I now have 45 amazing staff who work with us in our business. It's no longer just Danny and I and occasionally mom, dad or Danny's mom Veronica just working things out. We have people specialized in their fields of work all coming together to achieve a common goal for our business to succeed. Watching everyone work together on this is an amazing feeling and we are so appreciative of the work and dedication that everyone puts in and their passion to generate results. Which is why hiring staff at the right time in your business journey is an important and integral step to creating a sustainable and thriving business. Freeing ourselves of some time to actually work on the business and not always in the business is something that is incredibly important to our business growth and success, but also to our mental sanity. We can't do everything on our own. And as much as we'd like to think that we can, it's definitely not a sustainable way of looking at things. Sure, we try to do everything at the beginning when we're just starting out, which if if you've been listening to the podcast so far, you'd have heard Danny and I tell stories of all of the times where we'd done this and wished we'd done it a better way. And doing everything yourself at the beginning is important because it allows you to understand your business and what is required. So when it comes to hiring help, you know exactly what is involved in carrying out that job. And this is why I've always been a big believer in hiring people who are better than me at what they do. I have learned that I need to focus my time on my strengths and outsource the tasks I'm not as good at. And this is something both Danny and I have always recognized as an important step in building a successful business. Your money will be much better spent hiring an expert than trying to do something yourself that takes much longer for an average result. Or alternatively, hiring somebody who can work day to day in your store while you work on building the business behind the scenes, concentrating on marketing, purchasing and branding if that's what you're best at. But finding that person, that magical unicorn I've heard them called, can be a very difficult process. And that's why I've invited today's guest expert, Michelle Broadbent, to advise us on the most effective ways of finding our very own unicorn human to work alongside us in our business. 
Michelle is a business strategist with a 20-year career as a trusted advisor to female entrepreneurs across an array of industries including media, fashion, design, travel, coaching, sales, training and recruitment. Michelle also runs her own business transforming the businesses and the lives of their owners. She's the woman behind the woman, their sounding board and cheerleader, and is passionate about seeing others succeed. Michelle is known for providing realistic, practical solutions and operational support together with out-of-the-box creative ideas, all served with a big dose of TLC. Prior to starting her business five years ago, Michelle spent a decade in the television industry playing an integral role in building two startups from solo entities to thriving global brands. She has supported hundreds of women as they level up their business. Her superpower is being able to cut through the overwhelm that comes from running a business alone, removing the roadblocks and identifying the right opportunities and resources to bring their ideas to life. Michelle lives on the northern beaches of Sydney, Australia and is a single mum to two girls, a teen and an 11-year-old who wishes she was one. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Trade Winds podcast. Today I've got a really exciting guest, Michelle Broadbent. I've met Michelle through a mastermind that I'm involved with and I know that when I first met her I was so, uh, what would you say, in love with her voice. (laughs) She's got such a beautiful smooth voice and I'm thinking she must be, she needs to be on TV or she must have done radio or something because it's just when you hear it, it's just so relaxing and so calm and and such a beautiful, memorable voice. So (laughs) welcome to the podcast, Michelle, and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Tara, thank you. After that introduction, I really, really hope I don't disappoint with my voice. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Now, Michelle is uh, very experienced when it comes to people and hiring the right people and building businesses and supporting women through building their businesses. So I thought it would be a great time to bring her on to the podcast um, because we're at the stage Obviously, in um, as you've been listening to our journey, Danny and my business journey, where it comes to expanding our business and having to bring on people and potentially people that we don't know as well, which is always a really daunting thing. So I thought I'd bring Michelle in um, so that she can offer some of her advice in terms of what to ask and what to look for when it comes to hiring staff, but also to give you a bit of an introduction or a background on her and um, Uh, what it is that she's done and what she does now. So, Michelle, um, are you able to tell me a little bit about you? Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Oh, so I grew up in Sydney, so um, lived in the same house um, in the northern suburbs of Sydney, very, very suburban existence and lived there until I moved out of home when I was um, about 21, 22, I I left home. Uh, So yeah, very, yeah, I guess you would say that sort of, yeah, typical suburban gum trees, fresh air. Riding bikes around the neighbourhood, very, very innocent kind of uh, childhood. Um, I went to to an all-girls school um, and um, I... My dad had his own business. My aunt had her own business. I was surrounded by um, people who had their own small businesses. I worked in a small business um, during high school and then when I went to college. Uh, It was a ballet shop. So I used to fit ballet shoes and tutus and leotards on Thursday nights and Saturday mornings and I absolutely loved it. I was actually given pretty free reign um, 
as you know, I, I look back and go, my God, like my boss, he was a bit of a party animal. He used to yeah. go out and get completely wrecked on a Friday night and would basically not come into the shop on a Saturday and I'd just be left to run the show on my own. And I do look back, I was, I was 15, 16 years old and yeah. I look back at that and go, wow, that was a very trustworthy position to have at such Big responsibility. I did take my responsibility very, very seriously. And, yeah. and I did, I've just always been around small business and loved it. So um, yeah, right from where I was when I was a kid. you're so influenced by what you're surrounded by, especially when your parents have their own business because you can see how hard they work and what they're doing to kind of, you know, move ahead and that sort of thing. And that's where I think that's really important. Um, so what did you want to be when you grew up? So I wanted to be, I wanted to be an office worker. Like I didn't really know what that meant, but like when I was really little, you know, I'm the eldest of four and um, so I'm quite bossy. I used to like, we used to all play games and we'd like, I'd dress up as a as a as a businesswoman, you know. I'd yeah. one of my mum's shoulder padded, you know, tops in, <laughs> in her wardrobe and wear that and carry around like one of my dad's old briefcases. And I had like I had a typewriter. I don't know why, but I I, you know, I had a typewriter when I was probably 10 or something yeah. like that. You know, this is, you know, I'm very I old, had so before, I had one of those too of um, yeah before we all had a computer, you know, or multiple computers in our houses. So um yeah I just always I was always fascinated with working in an office. As I mentioned my aunt had her own business she had a corporate travel agency and I used to go there in the school holidays and just think that it was the most amazing thing in the world to work in an office so yeah, was, yeah as a little girl that's what I wanted to be and so what did you end up going on to do were you an office worker <laughs> well you know what I, I, I yes I was so I yep. went to I didn't you know it's like so many people you know you do your HSC and it's like oh my god you've got to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life and and so I thought that the you know I wasn't 100% sure so I went to business college and then when I left there, I moved into office roles, work, I was yeah. working in an office um, <laughs> as like an executive assistant, moving into like office manager roles, um, that operational support. Um, I did a spell in recruitment as well, yeah. where I kind of got my, I call it like my military training, not just in recruiting, but also in sales. Because yeah. You know, yeah. if you don't know, working in a recruitment agency, it's very, very much about like volume and bums on seats and, and all yeah. of that sort of thing. So I got my sales training there. Um, and then, but my passion was, I really, really wanted to work in TV or film. Um, and so I ended up, up, uh, working for I, I did a bit of a spell at Foxtel worked in kids television which was amazing and then um, I ended up working as like sort of like employee number two for a startup in um, the film uh, in the television uh, distribution space so we sold finished television programs um, and basically I worked with the founder so she was the, the you know the kind of brains behind the whole thing I suppose and I was the arms and legs so I made everything happen for her and then as we grew the business to an international um, you know very large organization we did that through hiring bringing in the right people so to start off with it was just her and I doing everything we were yeah. you know legal finance sales logistics yeah you know, everything and then we as as we you know as we had the money the profit to do so we would bring in the, the people to do the, the specialists to do those roles um and then I had my my babies my, my girls um who are not babies anymore but um <laughs> and so I I left there and then basically did that all over again for another uh distribution company um and that was great you know I loved working in that world um it was it was fun that there was a lot of travel involved though international travel and it got to the point after doing that for 10 years that I'd just kind of fallen out of love with it yeah. and it became 
um, harder to live that life and work that way um, with a family, truthfully. Yeah, I I just, and the thing was, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to to do. I just knew that I didn't want to be there anymore um, and work in that world anymore. So um, I worked with a coach uh, to help me kind of unlock what it is because you know when you've worked in the same industry for, for 10 more than 10 years um you become a little bit um institutionalized you know you yeah. lose sight of what it is that is valued outside of of where where you currently are so i worked with a coach to help me figure out what i what yeah. i wanted to be when i grew up and that's how i ended up starting my own business and that was 5 years ago With the with your business that you're in now, can you explain a little bit about that? So exactly what you do. So I so the the business has kind of evolved since I started, and I think a lot of people listening will know that um, often what you set out to do and you start doing, um, you you don't. That's not where you stay, um, yeah. and that's definitely what's happened with me. So when I started the business, it was very much what I was doing for the two businesses that I had helped expand previously. So I came in as that, as that operation support, but I was very hands-on. So it's like a business manager for small female, small business owners. So, you know, they were working on their own, they needed help and I was it, but I was doing that for multiple clients. And um, I did that for, for a couple of years, but truthfully like you know I wasn't I felt that I had a lot more to offer Uh, they were using my sort of experience and expertise and advice way more than say you know me being really good at filling things in in an excel spreadsheet or whatever (laughs) whatever it was that they needed so I it's evolved more now as so I'm a business strategist I actually work with the same my clientele's the same but the service that I provide them is much it's not hands-on anymore it's more of an advisory role so often when you have your own business um, you can't see the wood for the trees you're so in that overwhelm yeah on that kind of hamster wheel doing things the way you've always done them and not really knowing that there could be a better way and often when I start working with women they are very they're overwhelmed they're burnt out they're doing everything themselves as I said the women I work with tend to be like solopreneurs so um and they might be really really amazing at their thing at their superpower but running a business may not be their strong point or what they know, you know, often people have come from like a big corporate environment or, you know, they've not had that exposure to business, whereas I've been doing it, yeah. you know, literally since I was 16 years old, but, um, you know, more recently, um, you know, in quite an intense way. So I've got exposure to many different ways of doing things. And so it's just, yeah, showing them that there is an easier way to run. Yes. Definitely. And I know that when you're in a business and it's your own business and you, like you said, you're literally like head down, bum up, just working away at everything and you're doing everything, even what you're not specialized in, which is, you know, the nature of small business. But it's also really important to acknowledge when to stop doing those things and when you do need to hire and who to hire and all that sort of thing. But I just want to backtrack just a little bit, just going back to um, the coach that you were speaking about. So how did they help you in terms of like what kind of questions did they kind of ask you to help you establish to find your why basically or how did what what how did they get that out of you how did you kind of end up coming to that conclusion that this is what you wanted to do so that yeah I guess so Kelly the coach that I work with that is her superpower like I was I was stumped when I came to her truthfully like I had I had already left my job because I couldn't even contemplate what I would do while I was while I was still in it Um, and I really I knew in the pit of my stomach that I wanted to have my own business but I think 
there was a couple of things. It was like, well, what the hell would people hire me for? Yeah. And also the second thing is the being brave enough to actually do it. So it was yeah. twofold. That was what she did. And look, she, I say to her, she has superpowers because she just knew the right buttons to press to unlock that information. So it was a lot of detail, you know, yeah. um, questionnaire. She has like, I guess, like a methodology that she follows um, yeah. to unlock that from yeah. people, to unlock what their, their superpower is. And, you know, I mean, at the time it was, it cost me quite a bit of money yeah. to do yeah. that, but it was the best money that I could have spent because I know that I wouldn't have got that out of myself all by myself. And I yeah. probably would have ended up taking an unfulfilling job mm-hmm. just because it was easy or because I knew how to do it and I could yeah. just do it and, you know, earn the money and feed my family and yeah. all of that sort of thing. But she, so it was that ability to unlock yes. through, you know, a lot of questioning and, and, you know, just p- picking up on threads or common things yeah. that kept coming through, but also instilling that belief in myself that I could do it. And I think I'm such an obliger. Like when I've told someone I'm doing yeah. something I've committed, <laughs> yeah. that's it, I have to do it. And so I have committed to her. And yeah. um, so it's like, okay, I, I actually have to do this. I know. <laughs> that's the way I always say that the best way of making sure that you do something is to actually tell people that you're going to do it because then, yeah. you know, you look, you feel like such a failure if you don't do it because you're letting somebody down because you told them that you're going to do it. And yeah, so that when I have something that I don't really want to do, but I know that I should do, I generally say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And have someone to hold you account. And that's what I do for my clients. It's like, okay, we work out the plan. It's like, okay, you've committed the plan to me yeah. now. I'm going to make sure that you actually do it and have yeah. accountability. So it's yeah. an amazing opportunity for you to have been able to have had that coach as well, because I know like, and people have heard this story from me before, but when it came to actually deciding what do I want to do because I was working as a graphic designer in the surf industry and while I thought that that was my dream job it actually wasn't like there was more that I wanted and more that I knew that I could do and I know that I always loved homewares but I kind of needed it pointed out to me pointed out to me because I thought you can't make money from that so I can't do that so what am I going to do but then you know sometimes all it takes is just a few little um I guess, um, signs or steps in the right direction where you can see evidence that that is something that, yes, you are meant to do that or that is going to work. Yeah, 100%. And I think just having that outsider's opinion because we there's things that, and you would have been like this in your design career where you go, oh, well, like everyone knows how to do that don't they like yeah, there's, there was yeah. so much that I I just kind of like well why would someone pay me to do that can't they just do it themselves and she was yeah. like no no not everyone knows how to do that and they would pay for you to fix the problem I'm like Definitely. oh okay it's right. actually a superpower yeah, yeah. yeah but you just yeah. don't know because it's just part of you so I think yeah. that's what's so great about using having a coach or, or someone outside yeah. to point that out to you yeah definitely and that's some one of the things that I speak about in my trade wins course as well like just I know I went over to a friend's house one day and the kids had been running amok and playing around in the lounge room and they'd kind of just completely destroyed the lounge room I was horrified but that was fine (laughs) it was their kids as well (laughs) but so when I went to leave I just you know picked up all of the cushions off the floor and gave them a little quick fluff and put them on as I thought that they'd looked and she was like oh my gosh it looks amazing how do you do that I'm like well I just literally picked the cushions up off the floor gave them a quick fluff and threw them back on the sofa like and she's like that looks so good I couldn't have done that and you know when you hear such simple things it reminds you that yes you maybe you do have something special or you do have something to teach others or you know that's unique to you so that was funny (laughs) absolutely yeah that's great And during um, your time in business, what has been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome that? 
Oh, so look, I would have to say definitely running my business while my marriage fell apart. Um, That is, that's probably, so I was 12 months in, exactly 12 months in pretty much. Um, So I was just getting traction, you know, had some great clients, all of that kind of thing. And um, yes, my, uh, I separated from, um, from my ex-husband. So that was doing the work that I was doing, being the helper, being the support person to the business owners. um, It's very difficult to be that person and to be on um, when you're dealing, you know, when, when, when my um, sort of, yeah, well, my personal life was falling apart. So, um, but uh, in terms of how I overcame it, I, I do, I did what I now talk to my clients now about when life gets in the way and it does you know as business owners we have to deal and as humans we have to deal with all sorts of things and what I did was I just stripped everything back to like that minimum like the MVP like the minimal viable product the minimal the minimal sort of uh, I guess what was required of me and I let let the non-essential things I just kind of parked that um uh I communicated you know I I was pretty yeah. I was uh you know open not, you know not super open but you know what I mean like yeah, I, yeah. I did communicate with my clients about what was going on and of course you know I mean I work with women super yeah. duper understanding and I had good relationships with my clients so I was able to just do the minimum um but I think what I and the other thing was which served me well and continues to is that I put really clear boundaries around what I would and wouldn't do I I need knew that I needed to be there for my kids and that was really really important and be there for myself as well Um, so I was just I was pretty ruthless with how I spent my time and I think going through that experience has actually serve me really well now because it's like I'm just better at, at, at enforcing boundaries um, and prioritizing um, and yeah and and just come out sort of I guess more stronger and determined to to build a successful business to yeah. you know, support my girls and I yeah definitely definitely no that would have been so hard because I know like when there's personal things going on you know behind you especially when you're trying to run your own business and Mm. you're trying to manage other people as well and you know it all comes into play it could be such a challenge and I think it it may it's made me more much more sensitive to the challenges that come with in my clients lives and you do see a lot of um I guess people in my space where it's like um you know, follow this process and you will have a successful business yeah. and you must, yeah. you know, you must get up at five and meditate and you must yeah. do this and you must outsource everything. And, it, 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 it. and it's just like, that's, that's fine if yeah. you have nothing else happening yeah. in your life. But, you know, especially so a four-year-old like, isn't like waking oh God, up in the middle yes. of the night. You have to sleep in their bed. There's no way yeah, I'm getting up at five. Like <laughs> Sick children, sick parents, yeah. just all the things that happen in life. So that has that experience myself has made me realize that you know we we can do both. It's just about you know putting the right amount of emphasis on yeah. the right things at the right time. Definitely, definitely. Mm. So moving on to your business and what you offer, yeah. let's talk about people. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And finding the right people to work for us and within our business. So what would you say are the key steps in finding the right person for a role within your business? Or in other words, how do you find the right people? Uh, <laughs> it's really, really hard. It it's really is. hard. And I think we need to we need to acknowledge that, okay? Yes. Um, I think a lot of people, and especially at the moment, so obviously we are recording this at the end of 2021, and... And um, it is definitely, there is a drought on in terms of talent right now. Um, Now, you know, the market fluctuates. Sometimes we're flooded with with great candidates who are available, but let's, 
you know, first of all, it's acknowledging the reality of what is around you and what's available to you. Um, and right now there, there is a shortage of great yeah. people for all sorts of reasons. Um, so, but I think what I always say to people is to start with what it is that you want. need. And Me, yeah. Exactly. yeah, being really, really clear about that because so often people will come to me and say, oh, you know, I'm going to hire a team person, you know, I'm going to, I'm hiring a VA or I'm going to hire a business manager or whatever. And I'm like, okay, uh, what for? Like, that's always the question. It's like, what for? What do you need? So it's being super clear about what it is that you want and need. Um, it, you know, like I said, sounds really obvious, but a lot of people yeah. just, go, oh, I need to hire someone. So um, working out what those non-negotiables are for yeah. you, the things that you don't want to budge on. And they're usually um, things that you might have learned the hard way, like where yeah. you've hired some, because I, I work with a lot of people who have potentially hired someone before it hasn't worked out. And so they've just yeah. gone, no, that's not for me. Yeah. Um, so it's getting really clear on what you need from them and what your non-negotiables are and then what your nice-to-haves are. But to have that really crystallised and then go after them really intentionally, just like, I mean, if you think about other things in your business, if you think about customers, if you think about product, if you think about the things that you want to have, like you yeah. you go after, like you seek them out, after, like you yeah. are really, really strategic and intentional and unfortunately people don't approach hiring their staff in the same way they're just they feel like and I think this is a um potentially a problem with small business owners they think that all the good people want the big corporation and all the benefits and all the you know security and maybe more money that they offer or whatever but it's just reminding people that you have a lot to offer too and that you are appealing to your person is out there but yeah. it's about actually going after them and <laughs> them rather than you know waiting for them to come to you Definitely. Or even, you know, if you've put an ad out or something and you don't have the right applications, just being patient as well. Like yes. you, have to, you can't yeah. just jump on somebody because there's no nobody else or whatever. Right. I know for our very first full-time staff member that we had, we actually uh, poached her from somewhere else because, you know, we had good service from the store that we were in and, you know, we knew that she had good work ethic and all of that sort of thing. So we were like, let's go and talk to her. Like there's nothing to lose by that's doing right. that. Um, that's, yeah. And that's how she came over and she's still with us now. So that's, yeah, yeah it's been quite a number of years. So. And just yeah. think if you never asked her, if you never yeah. identified her as your perfect person and actually asked her the question, she yeah. could still be sitting where she was, you know, like it just, it, it doesn't hurt to ask. And I hear that a lot where people, because um, good people know good people as well. Yeah. So even if it wasn't her, like she might go, look, you know, I'm quite happy where I am, but yeah. I know someone really great or I've worked with someone fantastic and I know she's not happy where she is. It's that, you know, the grapevine or as I call it, yeah. like the bush telegraph yeah. works <laughs> way better than you know just throwing a job ad on seek and seeing what happens yeah definitely and I can vouch for that as well because I think the second staff member that we had was somebody that was working with her in the other job as well so I'm like oh no that, that employee is going to hate us <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really how we've actually um gotten a lot of the people on our team from word of mouth or through somebody knowing somebody else and you know mm -hmm. having that recommendation is always a lot feel it feels a lot more secure rather than kind of just plucking something out from you know nowhere basically yeah, yeah definitely agree with that So if you are having to advertise because you don't have that opportunity or whatever that might be, um, which advertising platforms or methods of advertising would you recommend? Yeah, well, the first one, and we just sort of touched on it, yeah. about utilising your network. Yes. Tell 
everyone you know that you're looking and again sounds super obvious but I cannot tell you how many people um, I will like you know if I'm supporting clients through this process it could be down to the 11th hour we could have interviewed five people and then someone pops up out of the woodwork at a you know at a barbecue or at a kids concert or something like that and they go oh are you looking for someone oh, I know someone or, or I, I, I'd love to, I've always, you know, watched you and I'd love to work for you. And yeah. so if, whereas if you just tell everyone you know, then you can kind of, you know, potentially prevent that from happening because really I, you know, the world is so small. Yes. Our, um, you know, I think it's, um, you know, we, we could potentially two degrees of separation from yeah. a perfect hire. But if if your network isn't, bringing up those those people then um I would suggest like if depending on the type of business that you have like if it's a local business using things like those local community Facebook pages oh my god like back to that bush telegraph thing you know popping out up there and um it's just it always blows my mind who who has the time to sit and read those (laughs) pages all day long but people do and then they connect it's like you know the someone goes oh I think or I know someone will tag them they tag them exactly yeah. exactly so and if you do do that and if you do post and someone's been tagged follow them up follow yeah. them up follow them up yeah. um the other um place that I also talk about is like industry specific job sites so not you know you know seek can be more trouble than it's you know not to yeah. really bad mouth it um but yeah. um you know my, my my advice is always go to where the potential candidates are so if if it's an industry specific role like go to where they are um you know join facebook groups if they're part of them go to yeah. those job sites usually they're far um more kind of cost effective and you're getting the right people because you don't yeah. want to be putting an ad in a really generalist space and being just inundated with people who are nowhere near you know qualified or experienced yeah. enough to apply for the job definitely and also like their level of interest as well like that's one thing that I'm always looking at when people send mm-hmm. through their job ap- applications like if they don't send a cover letter I'm kind of I'm always just no. I, I don't even have to read their resume because I want whoever it is that we are hiring to be interested in what they're doing and to have, you know, some kind of a, a passion for what they do or to be wanting to work for us. Like what, what is your reason for wanting to apply for this position? So yeah. if there's no cover letter, I just feel like there's no effort there. So yeah, if they haven't followed the application. Yeah instruction yeah. that is that's yeah. a red flag straight away but it's, a yeah. red, it's like well if you can't be bothered to apply properly or if we're just part of your you know sausage factory of applications yeah. no like oh, no. yeah and, and it comes back to that whole thing of of hiring the person that you're you're is worth having in your yes. business you know the person that you deserve as opposed to yeah just some random When you've narrowed it down and you've got your the candidates that you're contemplating bringing into your team, what is the key to conducting a successful interview? Uh, so coming back to those non-negotiables, yeah. um, you want to have those really clear because what you're looking for is evidence. So um, I talk to people about getting candidates to show, not tell. So often people will ask leading questions. Like, you know, if you're working in a busy environment, they'll say to the candidate, so are you used to working in a busy environment? And of course the person's going to say what they think that you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. The sort of cleverer way, cleverer tactic is to actually ask them about their previous work environment. Ask them, you know, about, about where they've worked before 
so that you can get a gauge of like if they say, oh, you know, it was so busy, but, you know, I loved it. You know, like you know, if they're saying yeah. like a glimmer in their eye and they're like, you can tell that they're really excited and they thrive on that. Busy. You, you know, you don't even need, it's like, okay, yes, they're, they're, they, you know, they've got that covered. So, Whether um, they said as, oh, it was so busy. Yes, or if they say, oh, I was busy, <laughs> I couldn't handle it, you know, I had to stay back and, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, sometimes I had to work on weekends and you're, you know, one of your kind of non-negotiables is flexibility. Well, they're telling you. And I think the, the big thing here when you're interviewing people is, is if someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. That is a Maya Angelou quote, but I use it all the time because, um, and trusting your gut instinct as well. Yeah. So someone yeah. can look, um maybe not so fabulous on paper but maybe they've you know they've written you a really great application letter or they've yeah. you know they've followed up their application with an email or whatever yeah. like they've shown that initiative you can t- you can sense in your gut like you did yeah. with your you know with your first hire like you just knew you just and so often it's not you can't explain it it's like they don't look like the, the perfect person um they shouldn't be the perfect person but there's just this feeling that you have that they are and they're showing all the right signs it's okay like it's safe to trust that like I think so often we try and compare um you know apples with apples but uh the fruit bowl has all sorts of great fruit in it right so don't be scared to um yeah to, to maybe go a little bit left of center if your gut is telling you yeah and I think it's equally important obviously looking at that in the other in the reverse as well if they present really well on paper and they've got all of these great um, qualifications and you know they look like the perfect person but when you meet them you don't quite have that connection you really do have to listen to that like I know that that's been something that we've really paid attention to before as well like yeah. They have to fit into your team and like have the same, like the right personality and, that. and values. That the val that values alignment is essential. You can teach people anything, really. Like you look at what you and I do in our businesses now. Yeah, could we do half of the things that we do now? Ten years ago, like you know, so much. You think of how technology is evolving and 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 just the way that we live has changed so much over the last few years so if someone maybe isn't as as um savvy on a on a skill um skill wise yeah but you have there's you can just see that there's that values alignment there's that common vision that common passion they've got initiative yeah Yeah. you you can't you can't train that that is innate in someone. So, um, I, like, I think that trumps trumps skill every time. Yeah, definitely. And I know that we've kind of already covered this, but what types of questions should you be asking in an interview? So I know that you sort of said, don't kind of give them questions where you're basically telling them the answer, (laughs) So how you shape those questions. But are there anything else that we should be sort of um, asking or trying to get out of our candidates? Any particular things that you like to ask? I think, like I said earlier, like going in with your, like, um, so you know, I guess in terms of the flow of um, like the process, it's like, you know, you've created this job description with your non-negotiables and then you're kind of nice to have in your ideals. So you want to craft your questions around getting that information. It's like before you go into the interview, what are the things that I really want to know about this person? What's important to you? What's important to the, to the business? Um, Some people like to kind of take it a step further and do things like um, psych testing or personality testing and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think just making sure that you're, yeah, giving them an opportunity to shine. So, you know, asking those um, you know, and then what? And then what? And, oh, and how did you feel about that? And those kinds of questions just, you know, you want them to show 
who they are, as I said, like show, not tell. So just giving them that opportunity. Don't be sort of sitting there with your clipboard and and tick, 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 like, um, uh, and just remembering that they, you know, they could be super nervous here. So they may not shine. They may not be like this super outgoing kind of person. So it's always like um, trying to get information from other sources other than just the interview as well yeah because that's often the hardest thing I guess that we find as well like you know how do you how can you get to know somebody in an hour or under an hour or whatever that yeah it's just crazy and it's funny um we have had a few people that haven't worked out where you know through the interview we thought yep this person's great and everything but then almost straight away you kind of work out know that person isn't who you thought that they were and there's a different side to them so I guess yeah really thinking through your questions and trying to shape them to bring out that side of them I guess um, is tricky really tricky (laughs) and Speaking of tricky, at yes. what stage of the interview or would you recommend talking money? So would you um, put the salary or the hourly rate that you're offering in the advertisement or would you um, let that person know what that is during the interview or wait until a follow-up interview? How do you kind of go about that? Yeah, look, a, a different strokes for different folks, yeah. but I yeah. think the what what you want to do if you're advertising is you might want to give a range of, of, of yes. what you would be paying and say something like, you know, negotiable dependent on experience or something along those yes. lines because and it depends on what the role is, right? But for some roles, you know, I'm thinking particularly in like the, you know, business support space, yeah. you know, um, there are there are VAs or, yeah. or PAs or business managers or whatever, and the range can be anywhere between sort of twenty twenty five dollars an hour, all the way through to yeah five a hundred dollars an hour depending on what the job is and often because you know especially in in job ad sites you have to put a title on so people are searching for a title Um, so I think to avoid pain and suffering on both sides so you know as as an applicant I I'd be disappointed if I was applying for a job that I thought was a you know seventy thousand dollar a year salary but actually yeah. turned out it was forty five thousand dollars yeah. so I think yeah. it's giving some kind of a range but saying depend and it just it also remove like it avoids the tire kickers as well so people who apply and you just go yeah nowhere near qualified but I think if your ad is written in a compelling kind of way and you know with those non-negotiables then you're more likely to to get the the right people applying but um and I think it's difficult at the moment I think people are avoiding putting salaries on ads right now because they feel like I don't want to exclude anyone yeah I will I will give you an example of someone that you and I know actually quite well um, who has been looking for her unicorn support person in her business since uh, May this year. And she she was sharing yesterday that, um, you know, she was kind of very open to whatever came to her. She was like, oh, you know, we could have someone part-time. Oh, we could have someone, you know, full-time or, you know, school hours, whatever. Like she wasn't really specific about what it was that she was and therefore she was not attracting the right people. The, the right people. Yeah. She changed her her sort of operate like the way that she went about it and she went very specific very intentional this is what we want this and like (laughs) the right person applied and is starting in her business like next week but like being you only need one great candidate you don't need especially at the moment when there's a shortage of candidates you're better off having fewer perfect people applying than a dozen 
people that you have to because managing the 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 application process in itself is a job you know interviewing them all it's taking time out and there is nothing worse than when you get someone in in front of you and you know you you feel you know right from the outset you just go that's not not right right. they're not right but you if you feel like you have to go through the process with them and there's a you know there's 40 minutes or an hour of your day that you're not going to get back so um, yeah. yes I that's Which a very, I guess, very long answer of, of I know that's, that's perfect because I know that, that again the opposite of that is like you said if you're not um, specifying a range and that person who's expecting it to be a $70,000 job then realize it's only a $45,000 job or whatever it might be and they're sitting there thinking that they've wasted 45 minutes of their time so you have to be conscious of both sides um, and that's too where I think the range is important and we've certainly learned the hard way because we never used to specify a range before so we actually had those people where they'd come in and they'd say oh, I want $80,000, but it was only like a fifty dollars or $60,000 job or something like that. And, it, and then we feel terrible and, you know, they're, yeah. they're yeah. upset and that sort of thing. So now it, I think it is important to offer that range. But mm. at the same time, like you said, like we wouldn't want to exclude anyone because um, we're always open to possibility in terms of if somebody's showing mm. immense potential or they've got so much um opportunity or you know get up and go in them then I want I'm happy to pay more for somebody like that yeah and and I think that's where you have those conversations like once you've actually met them you know do you know what I mean like it's like once they're in your space um and you know I am all about paying people what they are worth absolutely as business owners I think you know there is nothing more you know it's very it's not great and and having been on the the other side of on the flip side where people are like penny pinching with the work that you're doing when you're doing great work that that doesn't build amazing teams yeah but I will say too that if you know you're hiring someone and it is for them it's all about the money and Mm. they're constantly you know asking for pay rises and and not really you know demonstrating going above and beyond or doing anything amazing that is a big red flag as well because someone like that it is always going to be about the money money. and the next person's gonna you know the next employer is going to come along dangle a carrot you know that's five thousand dollars a year more or whatever and they're going to go like that's just you know that's just the that's what they that's they're just totally motivated by money and look we all should yeah. as I said, we should all be paid what we're worth but if it is all about money it's always going to be all about money so yeah. um just yeah bear that in mind as well you know you want someone who like I said earlier has that values alignment that passion for your business who wants to be there who will go above and beyond who is there for all of the things that yeah. you offer not just the paycheck at, at the end of the Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And getting to the end of our questions here, but um, would you suggest having the candidate or whoever it is that you choose um, so say, for example, given in, in the retail environment, would you get them to attend some trial shifts before hiring them? Um, or if they're a full-time employee in an office or any kind of environment, would you, how long would you suggest that their probationary period be? All of that sort of cautionary or those yeah. cautionary steps. Yeah. So look, I mean, I love the idea of trialing, especially if you're you know, if you're not quite a hundred percent about someone and you're just like, I just want to kind of see. And I think the way that we, the world works now is that that is just perfectly normal, but I will come back to that whole candidate drought. The yeah. fact that um, people may not only be applying for your role. So, yes. so yeah. if, if you're, if you know that they're the person, I yeah. think showing that commitment yes. right from the outset is good practice yeah. um, but I understand in in the retail world trial shifts are, are you know a 
part of the course and I think it's a great idea because you're going to get an insight into how they are but just remembering that um you know if they've got one one foot in your yes. business and then maybe another foot somewhere else and then guarantee them. yeah exactly so you yeah. just need to be mindful of that you don't want to fall in love with someone and then them turn around to you and go well actually you know I've, I've got this permanent gig somewhere yeah. else, and then you've yeah. lost them. um but uh and with the sort of office um business support staff um, it is totally normal to have like a three-month probation period. Some some um, do three, some do six, but general it's it's three three months, um, and that's a really good amount of time for you to get an understanding of how someone is going to be in your business. Now, you know, a lot of people and I, this happens. You know, I get calls from clients that <laughs> had someone there for a week, and they're like, they're not working out. And I'm like. <laughs> whoa calm down, Slow down. Whole, you know, I could talk hours about that yes um, but it's like um you know you need to give them a chance to get you know as I say like get their feet under the table get really really in, immersed in your business and yeah. for most businesses you are not going to see the positive impact of having someone in your business in the first couple of weeks like it's just too much to expect and yeah. I think people just need to yeah manage their expectations a little bit um so yeah and, and that's yeah and that's what the probation period is for you've got to remember too sometimes people are like resigning from other jobs to come and work for you and to kind of you know be non-committal um and expect them to come skipping into your office yeah. and giving up their former <laughs> role, that's, you know, that's a lot to put on someone. So, um, yeah, I think just use the probation period. And, look, if things aren't going great, you, you are within your rights to extend the probation period as well. Yeah. To, yeah, you know, sure. be. So, yeah. No, thank you. Um, and if you could offer one piece of advice for anyone wanting to start a business, what would that be? Um, I think, oh, there's so much. I think probably the number one thing, um, it's about being really clear about what you're offering and who you're yeah. offering it to. Yes. A, a business, is, you know, you need to be able to provide a service or a product to people yeah. that actually need it. So need you it. need yeah. paying customers to, to have a business. So often... I see um, people not able to articulate what it is that they do. It's a bit yeah. like, I mean, you know, I don't know when you were naming your kids, right? Yeah. When, uh, I remember going to the baby classes before naming the kids and the midwife said to us, with the baby's name, you need to crack, like say it over and over and over again. Yes. You need to yeah. yell it. You need to stand <laughs> in the backyard and yell. You know, you need to be able to say this and get and be comfortable yeah. saying it. And that is the same with with what it is that you do when you're starting your business, because obviously your business is going to grow the more people that know about it. You are going yeah. to have to say that to people over and over and over and over again until you're blue in the face. So, um, I, like be really clear on what it is and practice yeah. saying and be comfortable saying it and sharing it. You have yeah. to, um, you know, it doesn't matter what your business is, but you do need to be comfortable, um, yeah, telling people what it is. What it is. Do. And I think just, you know, like a practical piece of advice if you haven't started your business yet is save, 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 save money. Um, yeah. You know, ideally six months of living expenses. What that will do is just take the pressure off. Yeah, the yeah. Initial few months in business because um, that's when I see people doing um, a, a lot of, I shouldn't say crazy, but it, it can be like crazy things. Yeah, yeah. They panic, okay, out of fear and panic. They do things. They take the business in the direction that they never wanted to go in because of that fear of not having enough money or not earning enough money. Yeah. So I think if you've got a bit of a buffer, it will yeah. help you. And that's that like um, really crucial initial period as well where you need to make sure that you're making rational decisions and mm -hmm. really monitoring the, um, you know, how your business is going and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, definitely great advice. 
Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's all been such valuable information. I'm sorry I'm in my our warehouse at the moment and there's been all sorts of noises going on in the background. So <laughs> I can edit that out. <laughs> but um, uh, in regards to you, where can we find out more about you and what you do? So best place to find me is at my website, which is michellebroadbent.com.au. Um, I hang out on Instagram a bit, um, so you can connect me with me there. Um, I'm at mich, that's M-I-C-H, Broadbent. Um, I also have a podcast as well, which is yep. called Your Business Boost, and I share lots of insights like I've shared today um, every week um, on a Monday, yep. those episodes land. So really, um, really helpful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So but thanks for having me, Tara. I've absolutely loved chatting with everyone. And yeah, please reach out. Like, you know, if you there's anything that I mentioned that um, you want to hear more about, um, I'm happy to, to help and answer any questions. Perfect. Thank you so much, Michelle. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you in. As I said, I love you listening to your voice. So I'll have you on here anytime. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for joining me this week on the Trade Wins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or have found value in this podcast, I'd love you to leave me a review on iTunes or to share it on Instagram and Facebook for your friends. To see what special pieces of the world we've brought home, make sure you visit our website at fewandfar.com.au or pop into one of our beautiful stores located in Huskisson, Berry, or Barrel in New South Wales. And if you're thinking about starting your own retail business but aren't sure where to begin or you have an existing business you want to grow, head over to my website, tarasolberg.com, for more information on my Trade Wings online course where I share everything I wish I had known when I was first starting out in business. I look forward to you joining me again for our next episode. Thank you for listening.